and welcome to the Luminaries In and Out of Sect podcast, a show about the sun and how astrologers embody and relate to it. My name is S.B. Hall, and I'm your host. In today's episode on the Aquarius sun as the luminary out of sect, I speak with the astrologer Cameron Allen. I'm really excited to be dropping the next episode of my new sun series, which will continue for the next year. For new listeners, please go back and listen to the moon series that I've been doing over the last year where I spoke with different astrologers about their moon sign. These Aquarius Sun episodes were really fun for me to record, and I think they're very engaging conversations. It was really interesting to go right from Saturn's nocturnal sign of Capricorn last month to their diurnal air sign of Aquarius this month to see the contrast of these signs and how the sun shows up there. As always, if you enjoy the work that I'm doing, please contribute to the podcast's sustainability by becoming a supporting member or offering a one-time donation on my website. For those who are interested in an astrological reading, I've closed my books this month as I got a full-time job that's taking up a lot of my time. But I highly suggest going through this and past episodes to find a practitioner with which you resonate. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, Cameron Allen, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, for coming back on the show, it's interesting. The Aquarius guests are two former uh, guests I've already had on. I think that's the first time that that's happened for a season. Uh, so that's interesting. But how are you doing? I'm well. I'm good. I woke up super early this morning, had a meeting with a few people, starting to like work on a retreat for like next year. Oh, yeah. Cool. So it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to get into this. Uh, when we talk about your chart, but you're like a you have a very eclectic practice. So is this like an astrology retreat, or is it like focused on a different part of your practice? Yeah, it's like a <laughs> a collective smorgasbord is what I would call it. Like nice. one of my friends practices like practical alchemy, and also teaches Kundalini yoga. One of the other people just got uh, certified in like the Institute of I'm gonna say it wrong, but it's some Institute of Tantra. So it's like an actual like body of people who like make sure it's like legit Mm -hmm. and she also teaches what they call comedic yoga and also has gone through a somatic embodiment and regulation strategy course that me and my partner have also gone through and then my partner does um herbalism as well as i do herbalism and then my other friend does herbalism and then she does they call like primal movement and sacral embodiment and she's just like super psychic and I could keep going, but yeah, anyway. Nice. So it's like a team of like, you, you have an eclectic practice and then there's like a team of eclectic kinds of people all coming together. That sounds powerful. It sounds like it'll be a great experience for participants. (laughs) It's going to be really potent. I'm excited about it. Cool. Yeah. Cameron, I mean, you have such an interesting astrological practice as well, where like you bring so many different things together do you like track transits in your life? I'm just, I, I typically ask guests, like, how has the recent astrology been going for you? Is that something that you like keep track of religiously or, you know, uh, how is, how is, how do you kind of deal or bring astrology into like your everyday life? Totally. Yeah. That's a great question. And I appreciate it. So for me, I, overall, I did not track transits much besides, the fact that when the moon was in a certain place and I would maybe look at the aspect, but mostly emphasizing where the moon is, because that's where the flow is coming down to the sublunar mm-hmm. realm. And mm-hmm. I know how to massage all the parts of my body. And so if the moon is in Leo, then I'm going to do something to like massage my thoracic spine mm-hmm. and like 
figure out like what's going on with my heart that day and just like emphasize the flow of the vital force and how mm -hmm. it's moving. That's the way I would emphasize it mostly like in my personal practice until more recently when I started getting more into the layered timing techniques. Mm -hmm. And so I started watching those because the way in which things have been passed down, uh, they can be upgraded and innovated and played with. And I also like to know the difference between that which is fixed and certain, which versus that which is more mobile and, and we can have like more agency or free will or whatever people want to call it. I like mm -hmm. to be in relationship with those things. And so, you know, not to have like a philosophical standpoint, but to have a experiential relational um, process, really, mm -hmm. to be honest, you know, if someone hasn't actually had a relationship with these things for at least seven years, like from my perspective, they're all speaking like blah, blah, quack, quack from the head brain, which is a beautiful and lovely thing because it can give us a structure to have the experience. But I think that um, it should be a dynamic tension between the two. And so that's my approach with that. Mm. When you mean these things, what what do you exactly do you mean? Yeah, these things. So that's a great question. Amazing question. So <laughs> it's like these things from my perspective would be like concrete, predictive, um, trying to observe potentialities or certainties versus I'm Cameron and I can do what I want to do, or maybe I can't do what I want to do. And I have free will. And it's mm -hmm. like where like the, those are the things and like, how are they actually working? And can I figure it out to where I know when to sit down and be quiet and be humbled by reality versus mm -hmm. when I actually do need to take action? Yeah. So, That's yeah. interesting. And I think it's interesting because I'm reminded of uh, the episode I did with uh, with Jared Williams, because we were talking about this practice I had in college, which was pre-astrology for me. Uh, I was living in Belgium and the sun would set around like 9 or 10 p.m., which is very unusual for where I grew up or what have you. And I would watch the sunset for like an hour every night. And he was like, you were doing astrology. But like, I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, and so I've like mm -hmm. always just kind of had a relationship with the sky, but I haven't been doing astrology for seven years, but I've also had a lot of other experiences that inform my practice currently. So it's like, I'm like, where, where do the, where do we draw the lines in terms of yeah. that? Right. Right. Yeah. And no matter where we draw the lines, we have to first be honest about it. Right. Because mm -hmm. You know, um, I made that up. <laughs> and, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, it's like you made that up. And it's not to say that you're right or wrong, but we need to at least be humble enough to say, like, I made up. This is the parameters in which I'm going to basically put reality in a box mm -hmm. and say that this was the thing. And, right. and maybe it was and maybe it wasn't. And so I just think that we should be more in relation with reality to know the difference between the two. Mm. You know, the structures are there to like, mm, enhance the experience at, at minimum you know right or really at maximum i would say yeah yeah so yeah where i draw the line i don't know where i draw the line or maybe i have multiple concentric circles that like have a relationship and meld in together at certain points and mm -hmm. it looks like really weird and it seems like sometimes it might not be cohesive but you have to be like in your body and in your heart and in the present moment to actually know what's occurring yeah yeah that's a beautiful reflection the other thing that you talked about that I think is really interesting, I think you were tweeting about this yesterday, um, is that 
when we observe things that changes our capacity to navigate them or interact with them. And so there's an interesting tension at the heart of astrology between fate and free will. Mm -hmm. And, but there's also like this thing, you know, and I don't want to get into, I'm not like a scientist, so I don't want to get too much into like the spirituality of science almost, but like, there's this, Mm -hmm. you know, thing of like, you can either observe an electron where an electron is or know its speed or something like that. There's this kind of duality of that. Like the way when we observe things that changes the things, um, yes. there's something about consciousness that does that. And it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing, you know, um, knowing this kind of quality of time that studying astrology can give us and how that can kind of bend uh, our agency or offer us more agency or inform us where our agency is, um, and where our agency isn't. So I'm curious if you have any like additional thoughts on that or if anything comes up. Yeah. For some reason I was just seeing myself with like this, like big ass mirror, just like holding it up. And because if I know where the light is coming from, then it's like, I can take that big ass mirror where it was going to hit me and I can just direct it towards like something. And it's not that I'm not absorbing the light through my skin still because I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But through my awareness, I, I point it in a specific direction. So the light is going to do what the light does. Mm. But do you know how to digest light? Do you know how to direct light? And like in a, in a practical way, I would invite people to actually go play with light mm. and then consider that in relationship to the planets and the rays that they cast. Because yeah. we can have a philosophical understanding, but if you learn how to like direct different angles of light rays then can you do that in your body can you do that in your let's even call it and be woo woo your aura Mm -hmm. or the atmosphere that you are or or if we want to make it more scientific my electromagnetic field that i actually Mm -hmm. carry because my heart radiates it out Mm -hmm. you know these are things that like we need to like sink into from my perspective when i say need that's really my own projection so Mm -hmm. you need to but like you don't need to obviously Right. So that's that's what came up when you when you said that for me. Yeah. And something I've been thinking about during these like Saturn sun seasons uh, in relation to this has been like um, or a suggestion I might have would be like observe how cats interact with sunlight because Mm -hmm. they like are very attuned to sunlight and cats are like Saturnian creatures. And so there's this interesting, you know, we think about that kind of opposition of the luminaries and Saturn. And uh, there's an interesting thing I think cats can teach us about uh, embodying sunlight or kind of like how we interact with light. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point. And it's making me think about like how cats are also associated with the sun, just like from a more like comedic perspective Mm. you know, thinking about like Sekhmet and stuff like that. And so Bastet and, you know, things like this. And so, you know, it does have the quality of the both and like the solar and the Saturnian principle mm. is within them in some like really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting too, I think, to consider for us folks that have our son in Capricorn or Aquarius who kind of like have to deal with these, the the intermixing of these solar Saturnian things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think really... 
on a level of if I was talking to another human or if I'm like moving through my experience and my process personally, I would think of it as the illumination through the process of understanding and being in relationship with decay itself. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily feel vibrant. Mm -mm. So it's like that energy has quote unquote fallen. Mm. But it's like, what are we trying to illuminate here? And it's like the experience of decay mm -hmm. or the experience of coming out of the decay. Yeah. Which would be more Aquarius. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's again, like our projection to, to reference something you mentioned earlier. Really? It's our projection that decay is a fall, you know, because if we look at nature and we look at like the role that fungi plays, for example, like we don't exist without fungi. We don't exist without something that eats away at the things that have died and renews them. Um, otherwise things just pile up and can't renew. So we need death and decay for life to perpetuate. Um, exactly. Yeah. And also sometimes people think of death and decay as like the opposite of life, but it's just a part of life. And so mm -hmm. people, you know, have things confused sometimes with their languaging as well. Right. It's like, we can call these things like, like it's malefic or not good for it to be in that place. And really it's just like not um, necessarily compatible in a lot of ways. And of course, there's always a context to this. If you're doing something having to do with election, don't fucking listen to that shit. I just said that shit is not good. Yeah. You know, it's like, we just have the correct context and, right. and have like everything in like proper perspective and it's mm -hmm. all good rather than it being like a school of thought over here and a school of thought over there. It's just like, do you know how to play with it or do you not? Yeah. And like a poison is determined by its dose. So, you know, if like you know a lot about plants, I know, I don't know a lot about plants, but I know that pruning is important for yeah. plant health and like that's Mars, you know? And so if we think about Mars as only lefic, only contrary to life, well, sometimes we have to cut things away for things yeah. to grow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Cameron, can you offer us, now that we've like already had a you know pretty deep conversation, can you, can you offer us uh, an introduction to yourself and <laughs> your practice? Yeah, totally. I got to figure it out. Um, so, I mean, I'm mostly known uh, in, in the general population as like a medical astrologer. I like to call what I do holistic health and astrology so mm -hmm. that it's more digestible for people. Mm -hmm. um, I also haven't found a cohesive system of medical astrology. Maybe that's because I haven't gone to like an organization and learn myself. And maybe that's like mm -hmm. something I need to like uh, invest in or in the future or something. But I find that the word medical just becomes problematic for people or it becomes a barrier for them to like engage with the practice when medical is not the context of like Western modern medicine It's the context of Unani Tib. And so those are two totally different things. And so people need to be mindful of that. Um, anyway, that's a part of my practice. Evolutionary can you, astrology. Can you tell us um, yeah. what is Unani Tib? Oh yeah. I totally. don't, I don't know. And you've mentioned it several times. So I'm got curious. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Unani Tib, you, you know, when people talk about the humors and the temperaments, Mm-hmm. That's from Unani Tib medicine. Okay. Yeah. And so they would say Unani Tib, it basically breaks down to say like Greek medicine mm. and like Greek as in 
the people who finally came together and synthesized and systematized this spoke the language of Greek, not like the actual location mm-hmm. of Greece, right? A lot of these things mostly, I, from my current understanding, and obviously as we keep going forward, we keep going back and learning more. So right. the history is dynamic, mm-hmm. um, but it started in Kemet, if from my understanding. Okay. So that's yeah, what I know I, about I, that. Word. Tell me. I was just going to say, like, I know that this is an important part of your practice or perspective, and I think it should be an important part of all of our perspectives. But, you know, like you tweet sometimes about how you think. I was thinking about this yesterday for some reason, or maybe today, how you tweet sometimes about you just think about the library and Timbuktu and all the untranslated documents. Because I was thinking, like, uh, the thing we need to be mindful of with, like, quote unquote, traditional astrology or the, like the, the Hellenistic revival pre-modern astrology is that it's an incomplete system because we don't have all the information um, or the information has been translated poorly. Um, and so I think that there's some humility we should bring into that. But the Hellenistic world, if we can call it that, included parts of Africa. Um, and so when we say Greek or we say like Hellenistic, it centers a certain place that isn't necessarily where we're talking about within our current right. geographical structures. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the way they identified things and identities were just different then anyway. So it's like, we just have to try to be mindful of that. Like we don't like, no one's going to know that off the top. We're just automatically going to use the conditioning that we have. So it's like, right. yeah, for sure. And also people who have that education, like, don't be a douchebag about it because it's like, of course they don't know that. Why would they know that? That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. We mm-hmm. haven't been taught that. Of course that they're ignorant to this thing, you know, is anyway, that's like a whole nother topic, but yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's important to like censure those things as much as we can. Like me personally, I'm not big on history, but I I'm finding more and more importance in like understanding it. Mm-hmm. And so I like slow creep on it. Cause I'm not really that interested, but I'm appreciative of the people who love it and can like give me the like the cliff notes of what's going right. on there. And I can say it and I and I always try to say like from my current understanding, because if not, mm-hmm. then it's like I just feel like I'm not being fully authentic about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. We anything else you'd like to say about your practice? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. So like I, I have like 200 hours in Kundalini yoga. I incorporate that in my practice, specifically with like mentees or students mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. after they work with me for like three to six months. Oftentimes I have them um, do practices that will like help enhance certain qualities in the charts that they have said from a psychological or physiological perspective has been problematic for them. Mm-hmm. Um, incorporate Ayurveda practices, especially like the self-care routines, really important there. Um, obviously that will bring in the herbalism. And just like connecting plants with planets or really just sometimes if somebody has a specific issue, I just do my herbalism thing. Like I don't always have to like reference the astrology, which is also something interesting about my practice that I'm essentially multiple practitioners in one. And so Mm -hmm. I get to pick and choose where I'm loose and where I'm not loose about things. Mm -hmm. So I can drop the astrology and go over here and then pick the astrology back up if we're like looking for the timing of the surgery. And then it's like, okay, like I'm, you know, I have like education and like somatic embodiment and regulation strategy. So why are we talking about this thing in your past where you're like sitting here crying in front of me and let's mm. like create a container for you. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So I can pick things up and drop them like very swiftly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just incorporate all those things. So the evolutionary astrology would be more like emotional, psychological, the medical astrology would be more physiological and the traditional astrology background that I have would be more, we could say practical or one of my teachers, Michael A. Bryan says concrete astrology, uh-huh. you know? And mm-hmm. so that's how I get with it. And to me, that feels more and more robust and holistic as I go. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I will just say as a person, as someone that's just like interacted with you as like a friend, um, your practice, especially as it relates to like embodiment practices, feels very um, fluid and in in a very practical way. Like I remember we were talking about Abhyanga, which is like Mm -hmm. an Ayurvedic self-care routine, like self-massage. And I was like, I don't want to do my whole body, you know? And you were just like, okay, like, what are you experiencing? Why are you trying to do this practice? This is what you should do. You should just massage, just massage your ears. And I was like, oh shit, that's like a really, like you got all of that very quickly. Um, and it really helped a lot. So um, I just want to emphasize, emphasize that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting, like carrying around the idea or the word embodiment, especially as it like becomes like popularized and mainstream and shit like that. But it's like, when I talk to people, I'm like movement, exercise, play, workout, all those are the same thing to me. And I'm like, uh-huh. and how do you want to like live your life? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, it's only been a hundred something years, like since we've like been going to gyms. And so oftentimes it keeps people away from like accessing their own creative intelligence. It's like, anyway, this is, that's like a whole nother side tangent I can go on. Yeah. But I'll save that for now, actually. Okay, cool. <laughs> myself on there. Um, yeah. So you, I think have a really interesting perspective. Cause I think like, like I came into astrology, uh, not studying modern astrology, studying kind of like, you know, like listening to astrology podcast, trying to get into mm-hmm. like, you know, like Hellenistic astrology and then mm-hmm. moving on to, you know, interacting with a lot of Ali Alomi's lectures and like the medieval Islamic tradition. But uh, you have like a very, again, a very eclectic uh, practice where did you come in studying modern and evolutionary? And then you've kind of integrated other things. I I, I guess I used to say that, but when I think back on it, I came in studying the planets and plants really was really what it was. Mm -hmm. And so that was like a whole different take, which could have been like, seen more as alchemical herbal than just like astrology proper, but it all depends on how one wants to play with the words. So yeah, I came in in the sun was like, you know, like the cardiovascular system and St. John's work and the spine Mm -hmm. and the spine being the main line to the divine. And that's how you creatively actualize yourself, which, you know, later on, honestly, it's like when people say the soul, it's like, that's the same thing as saying self-actualization. It's just like, which one sounds more like uh, dressed up in a way that like feels like um, authentic or has depth or something, you know, but when you actually are in relationship with these qualities, you know, those are all the same things to me. Mm. It's interesting because self-actualization implies, I think, uh, action and agency, whereas the soul um, again, emphasizes like fate a little bit more perhaps like the the unfolding of the soul is something that's kind of co-created with fate and the agency of the person yeah if you follow your fate you're going to actualize yourself then 
It's like, mm-hmm. or you have the capacity to actualize yourself. That's not going to be just you doing what the fuck you want to do. And that's what I mean by like people like making like self-actualization. And then the soul is like, well, what is actually happening here in this process? Mm-hmm. If we're thinking of it from this like egotistical self-actualization, yeah. self-help, then like, yeah, of course, that's going to like feel and sound a certain way. But it's like when you're actualizing yourself, you're potentially you're like going to meet your soul. Mm. In that way, you don't it is like does fate and free will even matter at that point? It's like, mm. or do you know what to do when it's time to do it? Because you've mm. been illuminated by like the gift and the kiss of the sun. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I guess I think before we like dive more deeply into what the sun means for you, I'm just curious what your relationship to the sun has been throughout your life. Uh, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Can oh, you hear me? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Some you like no, okay. my screen changed, and I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw it too. It's over. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, did you? Your sun is in Aquarius. Uh, you have a night chart, so your moon is your sect light, um, which is also in like another air sign. So you have a lot of air energy going on. I'm just curious if like what your relationship to astrology was even before you like were an astrologer and if you identified as an Aquarius throughout your, throughout your life before you like discovered astrology or became a student. Yeah, for sure. I, at some point I started being like, Oh, that makes sense when people talked about Aquarius. But before that, I kind of was just like, Oh, that's what's up. Who gives a fuck? You know, it's like, uh-huh. it wasn't like, Oh, oh yeah, that's me. Or it wasn't like that shit's bullshit. It was just kind of like neutral, just kind of like, Oh, awesome. Thanks for the information. And like, now I'm about to go like drink a Gatorade. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. I mean, and I say that specifically because I was like a football player back right. when I was like learning about anything having to do with astrology, but not actually learning astrology proper or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But my relationship to the sun was just, you know, learning about things in Kemet. It's just like the sun was just so important. Mm-hmm. And so acknowledging the rising of the sun, the setting of the sun, and thinking about and contemplating on like the sun being in the lower realms or in the, what they call the duat where things go to be restored or to go through trials that are necessary to like renew mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, that was my relationship with the sun proper before it became about astrology or herbalism and things like that. Just like considering that when I was mm-hmm. in college, being a football player, getting a psychology degree mm-hmm. and considering those things more, maybe from like a union perspective or just corresponding right. it with my psyche Right. And how can I be in relationship with these dynamics going on over and over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. So that was like my relationship with the sun for the most part. Also, just like drinking in the sun and like knowing the um, the like because it was considered to be a part of my diet. When I first started working with like people holistically, the diet would be like is a very broad thing. Right. The diet includes movement, includes water, includes relationships. And the sun was a major key factor. Like sometimes I would literally go outside and test. Can I have like a main piece of a meal and then like have the sun as the side? Mm. And like, what does that do for me? And what does it do to me? And how can I let it move through me? And so it was Mm -hmm. more like this experiential, hey, what's up? And like kind of experimenting and just like building like, yeah, relationship with the sunlight itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say Kemet, what exactly do you mean? Because I don't think I have a clear understanding of that. But Got it- you. Yeah. So when we say Kemet, Kemet means the black land. And so a lot of okay. times this is 
from my current understanding and the scholars that I, I listen to, have listened to, um, specifically one, his name is Nkulu, in, in Africa, you know, Kemet or like what they what has what's end up synthesizing as Egypt, it was like information, it was like different information hubs that all like got collected and put into Egypt. Mm -hmm. So when people say Egypt, we call it Kemet. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that raises an interesting point about a conversation that's going on, like on social media right now in, in the astrology space around the sun and like this idea of benefic and malefic and how, you know, someone, I forget her name exactly, but she was posting about because the sun exalts in Aries, there's like a malefic flavor that the sun gets. And we kind of got into it and a little bit on, on Twitter. And I was saying like, it seems more exaltation seems more about like sect and triplicity than it does about malefic or benefic. Um, but one thing that she raised was like, I was thinking about um, how central the sun is to life in general and how in a lot of ancient cultures, the sun itself was worshiped. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that she put forward was like, maybe the, they worship the sun as a way to kind of like appease the sun. Uh, like this idea of God perhaps as like, bloodthirsty and like that's kind of what i got from the conversation but i'm just curious mm. if you could shed some light on the context of the sun within like this kind of cultural yeah. context you're speaking of yeah the sun gives us life without the sun it's a no-go period mm -hmm. and so if we're following nature then it doesn't have to go further than that like mm -hmm. if i'm out in nature like Every time the sun rises, I'm thankful. Mm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, when it gets to the peak heat, I might be hot as shit and that might not feel comfortable. So I could also see like where that like might be experienced as quote unquote malefic, but it's just like actually an extra a process that happens in reality more than it is just like malefic. But it's like again, like with everything within context. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the summer when it's super, super hot, yeah, you might not want to be outside all day. So we can call that malefic, especially if it's like conjunct someone's mercury and they feel like their voice has been like taken away from a dominant male figure in their life. Mm. Right. So yeah, that's malefic. We can call it that if you want to, or we can just call it what I just called it before. It's like, whatever's clever, whatever you want to do. Awesome sauce, like do it. But it's just like, no, like we need to know these dynamics right. more than like, it is this, it is that. It's like this posturing is like very awkward to me, mm. you know? Um, and I sometimes do it to play, but I know what I'm playing. And so I just invite everybody else to be mindful if they're playing or not, you know? Yeah. Because mm. the sun can burn you. Yeah, of course it can. Right. So I can see how we could say it's malefic. And also we can say it from another perspective, when the sun is um, combusting another planet, we can say it's going through an, in a difficult purification process or mm -hmm. it's being burned to crisp for a reason, but we know it's coming out of the other side. You know, when the Phoenix is being burned alive that shit is not excited about it mm -hmm. but when it becomes renewed again then everything's all good right and so what's somebody's relationship with that experience mm. because it's like yeah it could be a malefic thing but it's like if you know how to go through this phoenix type of process then yeah it's not fun so mm -hmm. we can call it malefic but like how are you going to exist in reality 
Right. And, and also, how are you going to help somebody by saying, this is combust, this situation is going to be this way. It's mm-hmm. like, that doesn't feel human to me. It doesn't feel like an understanding that breeds peace. Mm. Unless it's an understanding that um, breeds a sense of okayness with the feeling that it's okay that I felt victimized, mm. which is an okay feeling to have an experience. And also it can get greater later. And so mm. I always invite that in. And then, yeah. you know, thinking about, um, yeah, like how can we enact this malefic quality in our own experience? Mm-hmm. Can I have this tough conversation during this time? You right. know, or any, you know, things like that. Anyway, I could keep going, but it's like, yeah, it's kind of a picture I, I want to paint. Yeah. And I think the thing that comes to mind for me with any planet, really, because like, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing too. You know what I mean? Like, um, and and maybe to point out a little bit of my own privilege, I I grew up in New York city and like people don't, what people don't understand about New York city is that like, it's low key a beach town. And so, and like where I grew up, especially like I could hear the ocean from my window and Mm -hmm. I didn't understand until I was an adult and didn't live where I grew up, why people wouldn't like the summer. Um, because anytime I got too hot, I just went in the ocean and like cooled off. And so there's something about like the temperamental interplay of fire and water. Um, and so I think that's all to say, like, again, you know, like talking about the fate and free will conversation, it's like remediation is this kind of loaded word, but like what ways can we look at the condition conditions of the planets in our charts and think about how we can find a kind of balance or make that experience more comfortable. You know, if things are too hot, how do we cool them off? If things are too cold, how do we bring warmth, you know, et cetera. Yeah. A thousand percent. I think the temperament model and just like the elemental model or the qualities are just, yeah. It was like when, when all those fails go back to the qualities and learn how to rearrange them yourself. Mm. Yeah. yeah it's like because people can get complicated about these things it's like the sun is hot and dry so what is moist and what is cooling or cold mm-hmm. and if you learn that then like you can modulate a lot of different stuff whether that's fate or free will i don't know i don't know where mm-hmm. that's at in my chart but i got that shit lit like mm-hmm. i'll be doing stuff like that all the time and i help people with it all the time too and so i don't know yeah that to me like becomes like a discontinuation of things being an idea and like, no, I've already done this for six years. I don't know what you're talking about, but mm-hmm. it sounds cool though. And maybe I can integrate that or like use it as a teaching point, but like, I don't know what y'all got going on. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I just want to give some credit to, uh, cause I reached out on Twitter, like before we recorded a few days ago asking like, for some reason I was just, I don't do this with all the episodes, but I was like, Kira's coming on the podcast. Cameron's coming on the podcast. Like who has questions? And someone had this interesting question about the sun and the self. And oh, so yeah. you see, you kind of replied to that. And so, and that seemed resonant to you. So I was just hoping to have that as like kind of jumping off point to what you feel like the sun means or like how you see the sun astrologically is the sun the self what does the self mean what like what is the soul mm. you know you talked about the soul and what that means um but like how yeah how do you view that 
Yeah, like in this month, I think I meditated on it a little bit more after I said what I said, and I don't remember what I said at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but oh yeah, I said something like, it's it's in varying degrees how much the sun is the self. If you have a Leo rising, then the sun is very much the self. If mm -hmm. the sun is an aspect to the ascendant and or the ascendant Lord, then the sun will be more the self too from just like a delineation kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but I would dare say, the sun can be more or less emphasized in anyone based off of how much recognition and attention they seek and desire that is unfulfilled mm. because that will like enhance the sun's qualities of like wanting to be seen, wanting to be recognized, trying to get attention, you know? And so, mm -hmm. and it's interesting too, because right. The sun is like this illuminating quality that's about sight. And so then it could take it beyond like, the little me self into like the self that is like nature itself. Mm. So there's different layers and levels to that. And it's like this dynamic thing. Um, I'll stop there for the moment and see if you have any follow up questions, but that's kind of what I'm feeling into right now. Yeah. And I just want to give a shout oh, out yeah. to Asa. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, joy at good joy, joy and good spirit. Um, yeah, Asked this question. And uh, questions all the time. yeah. And uh, the person who, referenced the sun and maleficence i've been tweeting so much lately uh is hope at dear mortal and a lot mm. of people responded to that so if you want to hear more about like that conversation you can go check that out um yeah i think the thing that comes up for me most is like i was relaying to kira this kind of came up in my conversation with kira um i i also have um the moon is my sect light so the sun you know, I was born like an hour before sunrise mm -hmm. um, and I have the sun in Capricorn. So this Saturnian sign as well, that's perhaps a little bit more, you know, if we think about temperament and the earth versus air, a little bit more internal. Um, yeah. So the thing that I, I identify with what you're saying uh, and it reminds me just of like launching this podcast uh, when I did that, I really had to think of people, you know, and, and I brought up in that episode, like Ari Felix, who I know is a good friend of yours, who really like embody um, very solar qualities, because I think that at that time, especially, it felt so the idea of like shining in the world, the idea of being visible felt really hard for me. Um, and that has been a thing that's been a bit of a bit of a struggle for me at times like i'd rather be in the background you know like being a part of making something happen than be like the face or be the the one that's like on the stage you know um and so i'm i'm curious as like uh sun and aquarius if you kind of resonate with that at all or how you've kind of navigated your own visibility or your own um i forget this term that you used but like recognition mm -hmm. desire mm -hmm. yeah. recognition yeah so many iterations of that um and it's you know my son conjunct north node in my third house you know mm -hmm. i felt deeply overshadowed by my brother when i was younger mm -hmm. right like feeling not seen because literally like I, like sometimes i literally wasn't cameron i was colin's little brother right and so mm -hmm. like that's something that I like was like, oh, okay, yeah, like that's something in the third house and detriment kind of vibe is like really strong there. And it was like in, you know, 
the the local neighborhood in school when I was younger, foundational education kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. It was like that would happen very strongly. And so what it did is created that Rahu kind of hunger mm. for like attention and being seen. And so then I like went to go play football in college and do all these things in college that was like very dramatic mm. and also very like consuming everything and like doing everything and just like attention, attention, energy for the first, let's say two, two and a half years. And so I started getting like deeper into psychology and I was like, Oh shit, look at you, brother. Like, look, look at what yeah. you're doing to yourself. Like, why are mm -hmm. you doing this? You know? And from there, it just, I don't know, it kind of just started dissolving itself in some sense. It's like mm -hmm. I like realize, and I even say this still to this very moment, like there's not enough attention that I could get to like satisfy the bottomless pit feelings that I had in the past sometimes. And so I'm just like, mm. so I just don't care. I literally don't care. Tell me I'm great. Awesome. Tell me I ain't shit. Awesome. It's like, right. I can't allow that to like control me. And so I have to take like energies like this and like take them, you know, sometimes they say Rahu is that which is beyond body consciousness. Mm. And so I took this, this understanding of attention or being seen. And I just like pointed it towards the sun and the sun is the thing that like illuminates. So it is about sight itself. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I want to, that's what I desire to be recognized by the sight of the light of nature. Mm. And when I do that, like I can keep asking for more guidance and like, and I, and I don't mind being like endlessly hungry for such an experience. Mm. And though I miss very often that keeps me like very clear in my life. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I would say about that. Um, also, I think it's interesting that like, you know, it rules the ninth house and like for me to be have the sun in detriment in the third, it's like I'm like, yeah, like I I can learn some of the scholarly stuff, it, like even thinking, speaking, thinking about like astrology or like higher knowledge. But like I'm literally in the streets with it. Like I like worked like at a place that was like in the community. And so it would even be detrimental to shine my light in a way that I would even speak these things, these scholarly notions of anything really like anything that's like extra scholarly like it just doesn't land mm. like when i go like 20 minutes down the street and like where i'm at in that location it just it, it just doesn't connect you know right yeah i think about the moon's joy in the third compared to the sun's joy in the ninth and the embodiment that comes with the moon mm -hmm. and that place the third house's uh, association with like daily habits like rituals that you do on the daily to kind of maintain and so there is i think this element of like okay but like how is that useful um which i which i see you kind of like embodying a lot it's like okay we have this knowledge but like what does it matter for me what does it matter and you know like how, how can i help the people around me um yeah. live better lives you know or hear me because like they're not going to hear me if i'm just talking theoretically totally a thousand yeah. percent a million percent like so spot on it's just like yeah just yeah a thousand yeah and i mean i also want to point out that we do have similar charts we're both sag risings mm -hmm. um so like jupiter rules is the rules both of our ascendants we both have Saturnian sun and Mercury and Venus and Saturn, you know, like 
we have to... both of us have this uh i think the main difference between our charts is that you have a saturnian mars and i have a jupiterian mars but like we both have this like tension if you will between saturn and jupiter and what i'm hearing come through is there's like how to use the saturnian things like how to use the knowledge um how to use like the struggles perhaps even in mm-hmm. service which feels very like a jupiter saturn thing um and so like i think aquarius if we can move on to just like what is aquarius and what is this place aquarius like often gets these connotations of like being humanitarian and being like associated with the collective in ways that like capricorn maybe doesn't but you know there's saturn's always kind of associated with like um those at the margins whether it's in capricorn or whether it's in aquarius but um yeah, I'm just curious if like anything comes up with that or if you resonate with that at all. Yeah, I think Saturn oftentimes has this like dualistic quality that people don't give it as enough credit for. You know, it's mm-hmm. like people like things at the margins would be people who are taking the structure of Capricorn and pushing it on forward with new thoughts. And then it's the people who are at the edge of the city being like, fuck this. Yeah. And they have different thoughts. And so those two things go together, to be quite honest to me. And mm-hmm. I think Aquarius is like really strong with that because mm-hmm. Saturn's ruling both places. So you got to start somewhere. You started with some type of, we could say tradition, but oftentimes in this space and time, I use the word conditioning. Mm. It's like, I don't know what we really our traditions are as like Americans necessarily. I mean, I know some of them, but it's like, mm. it seems like a smorgasbord to me. It feels yeah. like a melting pot to me. So like, what are our traditions and, how do we take where we're at and try to move things forward with new thoughts in a different direction that is away from this, like is a part of the structure and away from the structure at the same time. Some people think you have to completely dismantle and that's another idea you could take in a different direction for sure. But for me, it's like, if something is already solid, you can't come in with a whiff of a sniff of an idea, or definitely you can't come in with an air, the air element and just change it. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to move it in a certain direction. Are you going to move it in a direction that's already been going with new thoughts to like crystallize it more? Or are you going to take it in a different direction? Mm. You know, because at the end of the day, it's like, what is the structure of your mind? To me, like the structure of consciousness in evolutionary astrology, we say is ruled by Saturn. Mm. And that's really just to say you are conditioned. Mm-hmm. And so what are you going to do when you come up and out of yourself after Capricorn? Capricorn is the down and in version of Saturn. Right. So you have been conditioned. Now, how are you going to like get that, those thoughts and those conditioning patterns moving in the world? Mm. Are you going to do a responsibility? Or are you going to stay in the same crystallized condition structure? Mm-hmm. And so now this creates a, a type of Aquarius that has a, a range or a spectrum mm-hmm. that's based off specifically energetics rather than what people say in modern times versus what people say in olden times. There is a spectrum there. And if we present astrology in this way, then people would be more open to the options that are available to them. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of Aquarian type of groups or people who are at the margin points, right? It's like they're at the margin point of trying to move that which is forward or to remove themselves from that which is moving forward. There are also people who are doing shit like Quakers, like growing up in Pennsylvania, there's Quakers. They're at the margins. Mm-hmm. They're doing a different structure from a long ass time ago. Yeah. So even the idea that 
Aquarius is pushing us forward into the future. It's like, no, it's, it's kind of outside of the current space and time. Mm. And, and that to me, like kind of does bring in like the more Aquarian flavor um, <laughs> or the, the more Uranian flavor that I do use as a co-rulership because of my work with evolutionary astrology is just more subtle mm -hmm. to me, but on a physiological level, I could talk about it as well, where Saturn represents the bones and structures and then Capricorn, that's like my tendons, my ligaments, like inside of my body. In Aquarius, we take it out a step further and we have an electromagnetic field that is mm. still a structure. Mm -hmm. But that Uranus quality of like it being an electrical field and it's subtle and you can't really see it really. Yeah. But it's definitely fucking there. So when it's about when it comes to like sight or no sight, it's like this this conversation is like not necessarily the greatest because we barely see anything in this reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see electricity and Uranus is like typically, you know, again, associated with the electromagnetic field, associated with technology, the spark, mm -hmm. electricity, you know. Um, and we don't see electricity. We depend upon electricity every day. We don't think about it, you know. We only think about it when we flip the light switch and the light doesn't turn on, you know, or we're yeah. using that light and it goes out um suddenly. And so that's, that's really interesting. And I'm just curious in terms of like the sign of Aquarius and what it means astrologically, how you think Uranus, Uran Uranus's modern rulership comes in. Cause I'm, I'm interested. And I think it does speak to what you kind of started with the kind of dual nature of Saturn and both of Saturn's signs being associated with a certain element, you know, Capricorn's associated with earth and, Aquarius is associated with air, but then water comes in in an interesting way in both of Saturn's signs. You know, we have the image of Gabamede being the water barrier, using this piece of technology to carry water and mm. like give that to the gods. And then in Capricorn, we have the sea goat, you know, it's like in this idea of the goat that can traverse land and sea. Um mm. And I think that that, you know, I'm reminded of taking Jason Holly's Earth sign course. And we talked about Capricorn and we talked about Saturn uh, in, you know, Babylonian. I, I believe it's Babylonian culture, like associated with like the Adzu, which is like the primordial waters. Um, yeah, which like make life possible. And, um, you know, perhaps that kind of speaks to again, yeah, like again, to use a, a term that, you know, Ari Felix put me onto like Saturn and, cons and um, what is it? It's not consensus reality. It's like uh, natural law, like these limits of nature that we're presented with within which we have to live our lives. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I'm curious how, uh, if anything comes up, you know, with, with that, like kind of like water nature of these Saturn signs or, you know, just how Uranus, you think, comes into this fixed air sign. Yeah, we have these limitations in reality based off of whatever the structure of reality is or the structure of someone's mind is that can create that creates definition, which automatically creates um, structure and limitations inherently. Um, and when we go beyond that, yeah, there are the primordial waters, which makes things transpersonal. So it's beyond you after that. Mm. And that's where Uranus like happens, you know, it's like right after that Saturnian realm, you like, it's beyond you, it's transpersonal, it's in the field of information. Mm. 
and you can't see it and it's subtle and that's how it goes that's how it connects to me mm. you know and that's always made sense especially from the perspective of evolutionary astrology and then you know in evolutionary astrology we also use the wheel as you know the the signs of the zodiac as a story you know and it's like after you're responsible um for the things that you need to do in your life at capricorn and you take it out into the world or you make it to the top of the mountain and after the top of the mountain you come back down and you tell the people what you mm -hmm. learned at the top of the mountain mm -hmm. because you had to go up there and do all this hard work and then you got up high in the fixed air and you got some type of information from like a higher order of natural law mm -hmm. what's actually fixed in the air it's a stable information that exists mm -hmm. beyond what you think yeah and we have to be able to go access that and then bring it back down to the people and then let or pour the water out and feed the people with the fishes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like to not have that as like a part of someone's astrological way of thinking, even if it's just a story to tell, it's like we lose a lot. I think, mm. you know, like also Aquarius is also just a really great time to tell stories because back in the day, that would be a time. Well, in different places. So obviously, like uh, well, not obviously, but in, you know, Kemet or Egypt, it was like when the when the Nile would flood around that time of Aquarius very often, you know, at certain points in history. But, you know, in the northern hemisphere where I'm at, it's cold as shit. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I better have some lofty idea to make sure I get done, get through all this bullshit that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like things like that just like remind me, yeah, that these things can have multiple meanings and they could be true because often yeah anyway at the end of the day it's like people in the southern hemisphere they don't aquarius doesn't land because it's hot as shit right now and so mm -hmm. what does that mean potentially on the flip side of it anyway that's like yeah yeah that's an right. interesting question to to consider and i don't have a good answer to that but i think it's interesting that you bring up like going to the mountaintop and getting the wisdom because the thing that's felt most resonant for me in my meditations on like Capricorn has been like the importance of the tail, the importance of transfiguration from the and being able to go to the, the bottom of the ocean and find that the wisdom there mm. and to carry that back to the people. And someone actually had to like point out to me that like you can go to the top of the mountain and get the wisdom from the air too. Uh, so like that says something about me, I think. But, um, yeah, and I mean, it's like the, there's so much air in the water. There's because this is information, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're going into the ocean, that's very fixed experience, you know. And so it, you can go up or you could go down. It's like, but do you know what's happening here and how is mm -hmm. the archetype coming alive in your experience? And then also, can you translate that to fucking horror or something? You know, it's like right. if you can do all those things, then fucking awesome. Mm hmm. I love that you know it's like and just being able to think about it in both ways and maybe one day you decide like no it's this way for me yeah um, yeah all those things i feel are like really really important yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i think that there's an important thing about being saturnian and like being open to the multiplicity of experiences i don't know if you relate to that as an aquarius yeah. sun but you have to Capricorn. i mean you have to the structure of reality is not boxes Mm -hmm. we made that up humans made that up there mm -hmm. are like no real actual straight lines in nature mm. and so when we talk about the structure of things is it one way of course not yeah that's delu that's delusional mm. it's not even real 
So, yeah. I mean, we can use that and play with it again, but it's just not how reality actually works. And a lot of times people like to posture themselves as if they're like, well, this is how it's showing up in the reality. And so it's symbolic. And I'm like, yeah, that's not reality necessarily how we talk about it. It sounds good though. Mm. Yeah. And I'm just I reminded, I'm reminded of your chart and like the fixity of Aquarius. And it's like, how do we bring in information? Cause there can be, you know, it's like, if you think about like siege warfare, for example, it's like nothing comes in and nothing comes out. And it's like, if you don't have enough food, you don't get fed, that kind of thing. And it's like, if you have a bad idea, you need new information to come in to change the bad, like the bad quote unquote bad idea. And so mm-hmm. I think about just how important em- embodiment is for lack of a better term in your life and in your practice and your, your Gemini m- moon being your mm-hmm. sect light in that very mutable place that like, is curious and wants to gather all that information. Um, and so it feels like that moon is like doing so much or like bringing a lot to, to the Aquarius planets in your chart. And I'm just curious if you have anything to say about like that interrelation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like the Gemini moon is like going and gathering the data to like build the way that I think, Mm-hmm. Or to build the library of information through um, connecting with other people, mm-hmm. which would be like like the Libra thing. So I gather the data and information. I have conversations. I make social connections, and then I like keep making. You know, because even when we say fixed, sometimes people think of it as like stuck in one way. But fixed can also be. I took fucking twenty years to do this thing, and that's fixed. That's stable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I built this shit. You know, I yeah. made a foundation for this. So when we think about things being fixed, sometimes people like have this like um, relationship with it where it's kind of like stagnant. Right. Um, But it really can be something that's because I can have an idea that I'm going to be adaptable while I create a new system Mm -hmm. and that's fixed, but it doesn't have to be stuck and stubborn. Yeah. It's like you can be going 90 miles an hour, but not be accelerating. There's a difference between velocity, velocity and acceleration And this is maybe another topic, but there's another thing that reminds me of people right now in the economy are like, oh, inflation is down. That's a good thing. And I'm like, yeah, but prices are high. So if you have like, you know, what is a banana cost $8 to reference, you know, Arrested Development, if you're familiar with that, it's like, if you have a, if you have something that used to cost $2 and now cost 10, it's like, cool, the price isn't going up, but the price is still really high. And I feel like that's speaks a little bit to what you're talking about with fixity. It's like fixity isn't just staleness. It's like uh momentum, like constant momentum. Um, yeah. yeah. The ability to get something that was initiated in, you know, Capricorn or the Cardinal sign done, maintained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then also on a physiological level, when we think about Aquarius, like when we think about fixed air, especially in the society and we're now we're in now, but in general fixed air is just like potentially someone yet yeah, being like, there'd be a large concentrated amount of energy specifically in the brain mind mm-hmm. and that creating an issue with Aquarians oftentimes with their limbs, their hands and their feet and the issues with circulation. Mm. That's something that Aquarius is also like, it's like very highlighted with Aquarius. You know, when we mm-hmm. think about the it being like in detriment, um, uh, that's kind of like sometimes the issue that we have there. Um, Aquarius does rule venous circulation back towards the heart as well. Mm-hmm. And so there 
issues having issues with that is like why sometimes we could say that you know just from the physiological perspective we can see that it is in detriment mm-hmm. because also the sun is like this very consistent thing um and if you bring saturn and you like restrict that a little bit and then you bring um a fixed nature and you may be restricted even a little more mm-hmm. and then you bring the air element in and oftentimes it can create this like uh, this it's like if you whenever you restrict something the motion like goes side to side. If people are just listening, I'm like moving my hands back and forth because it's like it can go side to side, it can go up and down. It can mm-hmm. kind of just get erratic. And so the sun is not erratic at all. And mm-hmm. so that would be detrimental for the sun to start moving it all about. Mm-hmm. It's like the sun is like, what the hell is going on here? I'm supposed to be this internal lasting thing. And now you're going up, down, left, right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we think of like detriment and like vital force being the sun, it's not that they're necessarily actually weak. Mm-hmm. It's that it's erratic and it's mm. not as stable. And sometimes it has power surges and, and a lot of stuff comes through and then they need to sleep for two weeks or they need to re- mm-hmm. be more restful after that genius comes into them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, from a physiological perspective, just wanted to add that too about Aquarius because yeah, if you are an Aquarius out there, if you just like do like just do even if you do push-ups on your knees just to build you up your your muscle strength in your upper body, mm-hmm. it's something Judith Hill suggests strongly and I suggest it as well. There's other things you can do as well. Like sometimes I have people do practices where they do this like we put them through a process where they begin to shake. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like back to the um, Iranian kind of flavor that I play with when it comes to um, medical astrology, especially in Aquarius. But getting people to shake allows that feeling of the energy being erratic to like actually smooth out a bit there. It's it's like a fight or flight thing, shaking, it, you know, like yeah. I see I, when I walk my dog, sometimes like he he will like stalk other dogs and then if they interact he'll like get get you know get into a little fight or if he can interact and that storage doesn't get to be released he'll like shake and i'm like yeah sh-, you know like shake it off shake it off and that's something that we don't really think to do like if you have such an overwhelming physiological experience you you will shake yeah. and i think that that's a way for our bodies to kind of work out that energy but like we don't often it's not like socially acceptable to just be out and be like i'm scared and then like shake your body, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, that's exactly. what happens, what other animals do. Right, right. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I encourage it in a lot of the clients that I work with, to be quite honest, you know, and and it could start like, and, and again, like the spectrum of practice where it's like, we keep it as practical as possible because you can like tap your leg or bounce your foot up and down really fast and try to feel that move through your body. Mm-hmm. Or if you, depending on the level of no fucks given, you could just literally shake. Yeah. You know, it's like it all depends and whatever is clever. Again, it's like the spectrum needs to be there so that we can know what what agency do we actually have? Mm. It's not if I have agency or not. What what agency do I actually have? Period. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that you brought up detriment as it relates to like the quote unquote power of the or weakness of the planet, because I was watching Greg Crawford's um, Norwak 2023 lecture on quote unquote detriment. He doesn't really like that term. He prefers like inversion or, you know, there are other terms out there for it. 
-hmm. but he, I think his thesis, I'm still trying to work through the lecture. Um, but I think his thesis is that the planet is not necessarily weak. Um, it's, and, and that throughout the, you know, the tradition detriment wasn't really like a thing. Um, but there is this idea, which I think you spoke to of the planet casting an opposition to the sign or house that it rules and oppositions being challenging aspects. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, I I think that you speak to that with like this idea of like, how is knowledge applied? Because the location of the planet, the house that it's in, it like has to use those significations to effectuate its goals. So, you know, you have to use those ninth house, but you are, you're also using the, 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 the kind of significations of the house you, that the planet rules. So it's like, how do these third house, ninth house um, things like interact? And it's like, okay, the, the, the kind of intersection of theory and praxis or what, or what have mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. speak to that. Yeah. A thousand percent. I, I got two degrees. I got like five certifications and different things. And like when people show up, I'm like, yeah, just move that shit. Or that little thing, that little thing under the liver, instead of calling it the gallbladder, you know, it's like, it's just like mm-hmm. such a nine third thing where I just take this higher, I guess we could say higher education and then I just bring it and make it like super simple and just like, yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's a thousand percent accurate. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's something, you know, someone else asked this question about um, like temperament in the sun, which I think you kind of spoke to a little bit. I'd like to elaborate on, but like the sun does very well in fire signs. Um, you know, it's, it's exalted in Aries. It rules Leo by domicile. Uh, it, it's a triplicity ruler, but it falls. Uh, it falls in Libra. It's in, you know, quote unquote detriment in Aquarius. It doesn't, it doesn't have uh triplicity in the air signs. Like it doesn't do very well in the air signs, which is interesting from a temperamental perspective because air signs, maybe you disagree are like in some, some temperament schemes like hot and wet, which you think mm-hmm. would be kind of good for the sun, but yeah. The sun doesn't really like do well in air signs. So I'm, I'm, is this kind of movable nature that you spoke to? Um, is, do you feel like that's kind of endemic to, to air signs or, or how do you kind of make sense of that? Yeah. I think it's the mobility that messes with the sun there for sure. Mm. Yeah, I really do. I really do. Mm. Cause we want our energy levels to be smooth and stable and not like changing with the winds mm. that creates problems. Hardcore. Right. For real. Even you think about the sun and like the changing of the seasons, that's when people get sick. Mm, yeah. Yeah. When the wind blows towards the next season, which again is air, the air mm-hmm. moves the sun and then people get sick easier. Mm, yeah. That's really interesting. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for, for elaborating on that. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to like ask you because you're an evolutionary astrologer is I'm curious to hear your experience of having the sun like square, like natal Pluto oh, and um, like what that, what do you think that just means for Aquarius sons of our generation, Pluto and Scorpio in general? And then like, what do you think it means generation generationally that we are like in this opening square? Uh, I know Pluto will move back into Capricorn one more time before it fully moves into Aquarius. Um, but Pluto just moved into Aquarius and 
Um, how do you look at that open opening square on like a kind of more collective or generational basis? Yeah. So the Scorpio, Pluto and Scorpio generation, I think of it as like we were trying to learn how to investigate deeper emotions, which, you know, we're pretty dark, I think, in a lot of ways. <laughs> to be quite honest. And so the question now to me is, have we gathered enough information to make something stable stick where we can actually work through mm. like traumatic experiences? Um, and I, and I, and then maybe that's not actually what the story is about. That's um, my posturing or my invitation for the people mm -hmm. because it's going to be a part of the story, whether it's positive or negative, because there's a lot of deep emotional stuff that we've learned to bring up and like, what are you going to do with that content? Mm -hmm. My evolutionary, my main evolutionary astrology teacher, Mark Jones talks about Aquarius as being a subtle mental trauma signature. And of course, like, that's not going to apply every single time, but it's a signature. Mm -hmm. So people need to be mindful. It's just something to consider or think about. Think of just call it a consideration. Mm. And so how are we going to be working with unpacking the trauma that's literally in the collective field or literally in our nervous systems? It's happening in our nervous systems. We brought up all this emotionality. Mm -hmm. We can actually kind of start looking it in the face. But your nervous system doesn't care. Yeah. About this information you think you have or like how much you think you've gone deep because you can't actually get to the deeper emotions without addressing the information that's like potentially beyond you. Right. So this, again, mm -hmm. Uranus is coming in here. The trauma is not just you. It's in the field. It's generational from mm -hmm. like a generation as far as we were born at this time generation. But also you have parents. They had parents. They had parents. So generational is also ancestral mm. for people who believe in past lives. It's about that shit too. Mm -hmm. I don't care how you put it, how you flip it. When you came back into this life, that Uranus was doing its thing. Mm -hmm. And so whatever, like your nervous system in relationship to the nervous systems around you, if you have that Uranus energy or the Aquarius energy highlighted, then you're going to be in relationship with other electromagnetic fields more sensitively than other people. Mm. So you need to emphasize having a strong nervous system. Yeah. And there's a lot of practices to work with that. And to look into that would be something I would invite. The first thing I would invite people to do is go literally learn the anatomy and physiology of the nervous system, especially, you know, all of us who like want to get into these deep emotions and talk about how we've been betrayed by the system. And it's like, yeah, but like, do you even know how your nervous system works? Mm. Because the fixed quality that we can create is twofold. I can build a strong foundation and get stronger as I go, or I can be accumulating dis-ease and dysregulation in my nervous system, which mm -hmm. doesn't allow me to actually take my thoughts into a stable direction into the future or work with the, the past or the present mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So it's like, again, anyway, I'm going to stop yeah. there because yeah, and I just want to acknowledge that I made a mistake. Uh, the sun isn't at the bendings. Pluto's at the bendings for people who right, are right, born right, in right, our right. nodal. But I kind of like mixed mixed that up when I wrote the question yeah. out last night. Oh, yeah. Um, so Pluto at the bendings. Yeah, this is just oh, this is so much about this back and forth game of ping pong with like empowerment versus disempowerment versus me mm -hmm. being me and like actualizing myself. Versus like trying to be with other people and like move things forward in a, in a society, a more societal manner. Yeah. Like it's mm. a, it's a strong, it's like, 
I feel empowered because I'm being me. Now I feel disempowered. I feel empowered being with the group or the community. Now I feel disempowered. It's just like this back and forth. Mm-hmm. And like, are you going to allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to just express that which is you and to like be brought in or to be exiled? Mm. Because group thing is really strong right now. Yeah. It always has been strong, but it's strong in a different kind of way right now, I think. Mm. Um, Why do you say so that? That's something we still have to wrestle with, huh? Why do you say that? You th- that you think it's like emphasized in this moment? Because I think the new ideas are starting to move forward, mm. which creates another structure. It's just a different one. Mm-hmm. And that structure is just as exiling as the old one is. Mm. If we're not careful. Yeah. Mm. That's something I relate to a lot. And I think that that's an important thing to, to, to consider, you know, like, I'm reminded of this quote. I don't know who said it, but it's like uh, the day after the revolution, the revolutionaries or the conservatives, something like exactly. that. Yeah, you know? no doubt about it. Very mm-hmm. obvious. When the group becomes a mob, you already know what's up. Mm. Very obvious to see. Yeah, and I think it's, it's such an important thing to be mindful of as we move into this Pluto and Aquarius time when reality digital reality in particular is going to become very challenging to discern and just the ways that the internet has rallied people uh to you know for good and bad you know to support people and also to kind of come for people Mm -hmm. um yeah Mm-hmm. And and the technological advances that we're going to have and and the, the the ways that our physical reality, I think, is going to intermix with a kind of mechanical reality, for lack of a better term, during the next 20 years. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. You know, even going back to Aquarius, like the correspondence that like on a physiological level, medical astrology perspective, like that sensitivity to like electronics is just like about to be more revealed, right? Like people were like conspiracy theorists and 5G and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you don't even have to do all that. You can just Mm -hmm. know that you're being bombarded with digital data all the time. And that it has a specific frequency. And sometimes those frequencies are disturbing to yours. Mm -hmm. That's very simple, a very simple idea. We don't have to make it a conspiracy and we don't have to like act like it's foolishness. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's a thing and people need to be mindful of it. And we carry EMF ourselves with our heart. Mm-hmm. And so these are things that I'm like with astrology. I'm like, even if like from a mundane perspective, like these things don't land with like exact um, exact moments of time or like, oh, how can you say Pluto is this? You know, it's like I know it is because like w- watch, mm-hmm. look at what's happening. And I guarantee like it'll become even more of a thing. It'll become mm-hmm. more of a thing. Because also Pluto, it can correspond to radiation. Mm. It's like technological radiation is just something that's going to be more mm-hmm. emphasized in the, the coming up. It's just, it's coming. Like it literally yeah. is. It's already here, really. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be coming more. And it's going to become a mainstream, like nor- it's going to be a normal thing to know that. Right. Yeah. Or even, you know, and this isn't a commentary on whether we should have access to this or not, but like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all need to learn to 
put the phone down or sign off when we need to. But, you know, we are in this place in time where you can see people filming war happening and watch that on repeat, basically. Um, And you can, you know, even to a more, you know, not extreme extent, you can watch people just going through crisis. uh, And that is available in a way that it wasn't 15 years ago even, you know, it's kind of started, I guess, in 08 with the invention of the iPhone, you know, which is like really mainstreamed a lot of this or made a lot of this connection possible. Um, But yeah, I think that that's a new, a new thing to contend with. And I think like digital sovereignty for lack of a better term is something that we're all going to have to, you know, it's like something that we, talk about, but it's something that we will all have to become more uh, discerning about. And I do think it will become harder. You know, people talk about like, you can't quote unquote, can't exist without a smartphone or you can't exist without, like you can't exist within society doing certain things. And and I think the technological interfacing that we're going to have will become more intense. Um, You know, well, we'll, we'll have to kind of sign on to more and more of these things to be able to kind of do what's expected of us in society. But I think the Aquarian thing is like, we'll see a lot of people opting out of that, trying to live alternative yeah, in in alternative ways. Yeah. And those people probably will be using technology in a way that's just like more intelligent and in alignment with nature, which is, you know, something that people can also consider, like there's going to be technologies that also block these things as well. Right. So like people oftentimes we like go to the one end, but like we need to be mindful of both. And again, it's about relationship. Mm-hmm. What did you yeah. say there that was like really solar? Oh, sovereignty. I didn't say yeah, sovereignty. Yeah. That's so solar. And it's like mm-hmm. such a beautiful thing there. Sovereignty. And even like thinking about it, it's like sovereign beings like do sometimes like have a problem when people get too close to their shit. Mm-hmm. And so that also to me, like, is giving like quote unquote malefic sun energy. Right. I'm a sovereign and you're coming up in my in my space. And so you're gonna have to like go through this process of like getting with the getting with the program if you're gonna be over here. Mm-hmm. So you know, and that could be perceived as positive or negative again, because if if I was a sovereign, I would probably be the one like directing people around the fire so that we can all be warm. You know, this is a story that Tyler uh, astrologer Tyler Prenor talks about. He's like there's two different types of kings. There's one that's a sovereign and he's like, hey, go get this wood so that we can all be warm. And I'm like the one who's like pridefully taking care of everyone. Mm-hmm. Or I'm the person who's full of pride and I'm just directing everybody around and being a tyrant. Mm. And so when you come into my space, none of that bullshit goes because I'm prideful of my pride, of my people. And I'm taking care of all of them. So you you gonna get your ass purified coming through here with that bullshit. Mm. And that also is like malefic, quote unquote. But it's like, what does that look like when somebody has that solar force? Mm. So again, you know, and it just it just reminds me of like all these stories that I'm learning, which I haven't shared any and I won't right now, but just like from my rites of passage and mm. how we see reality or how I'm being taught to see reality versus the stories that we tell about things. Anyway, right. Thanks for letting me say all that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. So the planet that rules a sign in anyone's chart, that placement, the placement of that planet is going to kind of give a flavor to the way that those houses show up. And so I'm just curious to hear a little bit about your Saturn placement and how that kind of you think affects the kind of Capricorn Aquarius, you know, especially Aquarius um, houses in your chart. Yeah, my I always like to say my my Saturn Mercury Venus retrograde because like I don't even put a dash mark there because they're all one degree away from each other. Mm. <laughs> so um, it's interesting how it flavors it. You know, it does it does give me like a very cold and dry behavior in like a languaging sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also does allow my son to have like some power, some extra power there. Mm-hmm. because it has like specific type of resources that aren't its own resources from the Leo kind of energy, but it does have resources. Uh, so I think my son doesn't play out so detrimenty sometimes because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like when I consider it, I just think that my son just has more support really, to be honest. Yeah. It can do more stuff than one would think. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I look at it for the most part um, with the Saturn placement. Um, but also the way I like shine my light, I guess we could say, or like radiate my energy off. It has support from things that have been like longstanding. So that's like my ancestors, my tradition mm-hmm. that I come from, you know, it, it comes from me being witty because I had, I do have like that Gemini moon and, and that, that Mercury's there with the, um, with the, the Saturn. And so I can be mm-hmm. witty about things and also, through time, as I continue to go inward in my relationship with myself, the Venus retrograde, it has allowed me to be um, a bit more artful about it. Mm. Or I can be all these things in different combination blends, depending on the situation and circumstance as well. So I think that's what it adds to like the way that like my life force radiates outwards towards people. Mm. And it shows up much more like in talking and showing up, but like online, it's definitely given like strong Saturnian force more than anything. I think, uh, you know, everybody sees it different really, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess from a technical perspective, it, it's interesting because Saturn's the only planet. I mean, I guess there are planets that like, can't think off the top of my head, like one domicile doesn't see the other or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. But Saturn um, is the only planet that have them next to each other. So mm-hmm. if you have Saturn and Capricorn, like we do, and you have the sun in Aquarius, Saturn can't like see Aquarius by a traditional aspect, but there's this concept of like uh, a planet in its domicile can resource the other planets in other domiciles, uh, even if there isn't sight. And so like, I'm curious if, if that's what you're kind of speaking to or how you kind of technically would delineate something like that. If you see it in a chart. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's exactly how I would delineate. Cause even if I don't know the owner of this apartment, when they update shit, shit's updated and I get, uh, I appreciate it. And it, mm-hmm. and it's useful to me as well. Still, yeah. I just can't go ask him for stuff all the time mm. or I have problems and he, um, indirectly helps me with the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's like not being able to see it doesn't mean I don't receive its juice or its flavor or its benefit. It's just that it's, it's more indirect. And sometimes there's stumbling involved instead yeah. of like, just like calling him, Hey, like I got this problem. It's like, I have this problem. I have to reach out to this person. I have to reach out to that person. I have to reach out to that person. 
Mm. And so like, maybe I had this issue just happening kind of. Yeah. Also, you know, if we're talking about like a, a more like embodied experience, it's like you like I need to learn how to do some of that stuff myself. Mm. Yeah. It's like that yeah. support's going to come sooner or later. <laughs> so you can wait for it if you want to. But that doesn't seem that wise to me. Take your mm -hmm. time and try to figure it out yourself as well. Yeah. Because maybe you won't have all the resources or maybe you're going to start it off cultivating it yourself and then resources come later. Yeah. Or maybe even if we, because we do pick stories, right? Maybe you actually efforting yourself is what allowed you to get to the resource later, depending mm -hmm. on the story of the chart or yeah. what we're talking about. You know, these things can show up in many ways. And so it all depends the flavor of the story. If we're talking about health, I'm going to talk about the story way different if we're talking about someone's quote unquote evolutionary process. If we're talking right. about the year ahead, then best of luck because I'm just going to say what the delineation is and kind of keep it at that. Maybe right. ask you questions around it, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the perspective, like the container really matters. Yeah, bo. Yeah, and are there any aspects that the sun makes in your chart that you think would be important to discuss? Depending on someone's orb of influences that they work with, my sun could be considered to be like my, my moon could be in an applying trine. Mm -hmm. um, depending on moiety, from the perspective of moiety, I think it might actually make it there. No, maybe it's like 11 degrees away. So Okay. Is even 11? No, it's like nine degrees away. So moiety, I think actually would, they would be in a trine aspect. Mm -hmm. And that's significant for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's super significant. Even though neither one of them really actually see my, my Capricorn stuff going on, but thank God mm -hmm. they see each other. And yeah. also when we think about like just the, the luminaries being together, it just does create this more cohesive feeling between like the amount of vital force that I have and how mm -hmm. it flows through my body or how my soul speaks to my incarnated self. Mm. You know, these things are like very like, you know, nice. And then also just my, like my siblings, like even right now in this moment, you know, my siblings, and it started like during my ninth house year, my siblings like love my partner, you know, it's like mm. simple things like that too, or just like really nice. Especially if you can see like the sun's highlighted right now and it goes away. It's like, maybe, that was like, oh my gosh, they they love my partner. And like maybe they still love her, but like that part of the process moves away. So it's something to like notice in that moment too when it mm -hmm. comes up. Um, but yeah, and when we think about um, I guess Ali Aolomi, the way he would describe it is like the the alchemy of the soul. Um mm -hmm. and like that trine is like a, a subjectively positive thing between, yeah, the way I would say it from an evolutionary astrology perspective, my emotional identity um how emotionally secure or insecure that i am or am not and how that relates to how i actualize myself or how i am in relationship with my soul mm. in those things like i feel really good about it i really feel really good about it and i like put work in and it feels like yeah it, it's a trying so <laughs> it's nice that's beautiful man i'm happy for you that's awesome yeah it's close what suggestions would you have for someone that's like a newer student or new to kind of planetary relationship in in building their relationship with the sun my invitation would be to go out and look at the sun think about the sun do you eat food when the sun is at its highest point what does that do 
Do you eat food when the sun is rising? Do you look at the sun when it's rising, when it's not quote unquote malefic? What happens if you try to look at the sun and if it is high and it is malefic? How does that feel? Maybe that could be the way you describe it. So it's like, yeah, I could not say malefic, but how does it feel to look up at the sun in the middle of the day when it's like right there with you? Not actually don't do it, first of all. But, you know, as a as a test to do it for, for try to do it for three seconds, it's like something that can give you an experience that like actually lands you in reality and gives context. And so, yeah, I can still call it malefic and then I won't call it malefic or depending on what's going on. And so I have enough experiences with the sun to know that it is both mm -hmm. and how, yeah, I would emphasize it more as being a malefic potentially than other planets. For sure. It's not like all of them are all benefic and malefic. So I can understand that as well. Which is like that direct experience is the first thing I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would say if you and it depends on the type of mind that you have. If you know, if you if you hear 15 different topics about something, stick to one thing to begin with, please. Mm. And just ride that wave all the way till you feel comfortable enough to let other things in. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're the type of person that is like rejects perceived dogma or like hates things being one way then read multiple things and then i invite you for at least three to 12 months sit down and write how all these things are different and and, and acknowledge the sameness of them mm. how you can weave them together to make a holistic unity between the things because mm. they, they will be there and not just based off of how it sounds but based off a contemplation mm. So, yeah, and that's how I, I can make self-actualization that sounds more like self-help and like corresponding to the soul and say, those are the same things. I don't know what y'all are talking about mm. because they come from different ideologies for sure. But when we actually like lean in and contemplate and feel into it, how could these not be the same things? How could they not? They might not mm. be based off the people who use them, but they're the same thing. I don't know what to mm. tell you. Mm. So those cool, are things man. I would I would say. And maybe also during the sun sign season, notice if your location actually corresponds to the sun being in a cardinal sign and initiating a new season, the sun being in a fixed sign. And is the weather more consistent? And, and, and does it or does it not? When the sun goes into the mutable sign, does the weather seem like it like wink the next season? Does it wink at you? Mm. Now, since I've practiced, it hasn't every year, but the first three years I played with it, it happened every single time. And I don't know if that nice. was reality, just being like, yeah, we got you mm -hmm. or whatever it was. But like, I just invite people to like play with that and look mm -hmm. at it. Cool, yeah. man. All right. Anything else you want to add? Do you have any imparting thoughts about the sun before we go? Specifically about the sun in Aquarius. Um, obviously, talk to your licensed healthcare physician, blah, 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 all that stuff. Have discernment with your body. Um, mineral salts are amazing for Aquarius. Mineral salts are amazing. So the specific one that I use is Aussie Trace Minerals. Um, they don't give me money for saying this. So just <laughs> throw that out there. Electrolyte blends, really play with it, Aquarius people. If you can get your hands on some like high quality kelp or other sea veggies, amazing for Aquarius. Eat more blue things, eat more purple things. Um, do things that help your circulation move. Shake your body when you can. Find a practitioner that can actually help you with all these things. Instead of me just saying this in a vague way and you not know what I'm talking about, reach out to me if you have a question about it. But just know those things are super supportive. Rosemary is the last thing here. 
Rosemary mm. is so good for Aquarians. I like, oh my gosh, this it's so good because sometimes mm. Aquarian people have a tendency to be like in their field, right? The informational field and not centered in the heart. Mm. Mind action going on, not in the heart. Mm. And so rosemary is a solar herb that um, they say, I know like in Paracelsus, I don't know where Paracelsus got it from, but he says that rosemary helps the soul incarnate. Mm. That's a really nice thing. It also helps with liver tension, which Aquarius people I find tend to have. The way that you know if you have liver tension or not is if you move your hand down your arm and it's like warm, 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 warm. And then it, randomly out of nowhere, it just gets cold. Mm. That means you have liver tension and there's tension that's creating the problem with the circulation to the hands and the feet, like we talked about before with Aquarius. So anyway, I'll stop there before I keep going for the next 15 minutes. Amazing. Amazing suggestions. Very practical. Thank you for that, Cameron. Um, so where can we find you? And is there anything you're working on right now that you'd like to, to tell us about? Yeah, right now I'm actually in the process of doing a five-week course with Synchronous University with the amazing Nadia Shah. And this is the third round that I'm doing with people. This time I'm actually teaching about timing techniques, which has been something that I've had to learn how to play with and do because mm -hmm. a lot of the timing techniques that I'm using has specifically from Ali, a, a combination blend between Austin Kopic, Michael A. Bryan, Ali A. Alomi, and Luis Ribeiro. I always say his last name wrong. Anyway, all those people <laughs> are the people that I like. I kind of combine and create a confluence of their things, plus with my medical astrology practice um, and, and use timing techniques to like really be more accurate with the medical astrology because um, my teachers didn't necessarily use them in a way that was like so precise. Mm -hmm. And I know I tend to be like a... a this or that whatever type of person, but I'm like, oh yeah, no, I am this and that very concrete. And also don't even worry about it. If you don't know how to help people balance their temperament, like mm -hmm. what are we even doing here? Use the mm -hmm. transit, fine, whatever. Can you help somebody balance something or not? You know? And mm -hmm. then it's like all the way down to like, no, that's the wrong answer. They're not going to get sick this year or this month. Mm -hmm. So the both end is, is nice to play with there. Um, oh, you asked me another question. I think that's all I have. Oh, there's, so I'm working with a, with a, a collective called the Omnia network. Okay. And I'm doing like, it's this, uh, we're doing a 12 month program called celestial seasons. So every season cool. I do a Zodiac sign. It's kind of like a holistic embodied understanding of the Zodiac sign. There'll be um, herbs suggested. There might be crystals that we talk about. There's going to be like the physical, the emotional, the psychological, um, what environments in nature can be helpful to access this sign. And there'll always be, one or two embodiment practices as well given mm -hmm. for each zodiac sign so this would be a really good way to like build up what we would call in holistic health and astrology the medicine cabinet okay and just learning and it, how to be medicinal. yeah is that something that like say someone has limited time or resources should they do that for their rising sign for their moon for their sun like what would you suggest sun moon or rising is good stellium is mm -hmm. always wise okay um, yeah. Even if, I mean, if it, and if it's coming from the perspective of also, I would say six house, eight house, 12th house, because those are places where you can't see. Mm -hmm. And so we want to like, we want more of a clue into those signs. Right. Because if I don't have sight to those things in my chart, then I need to like actually go get the information myself mm -hmm. because I'm practice astrology. So I can see Yeah. that I can't see. Yeah. So I can go figure it out. So that's totally. what I would say. Yeah. Awesome. 
All right. Anything else you want to add before we go? I think we did it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, people can find you on Instagram, Twitter, all yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah. Everybody just like like be rooted in self-knowledge. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Take care of what we call the astrological community as much as you can. Like mm-hmm. that's all I ask of people. When you go to conferences, hug people. When you disagree <laughs> with people at the end, at least like reach out and like say something uh that like helps with the understanding that we're like still in this together, even though I thought the idea you just had was really stupid. Mm. Those two things can coexist. And like, you know, cause people create dislike for each other through those processes, but I can say I completely disagree. And also I'm going to say something and be a smart ass. And then I'm going to be like, send it a gif and like be funny about it. Yeah. Because that's my vibe. Anyway, we're not, we're not our ideas and we're not what we think our identity transcends that. So we shouldn't objectify or reduce each other to our uh, most recent bad take. Yeah, totally. And I have them too, so. Yeah, and people shouldn't identify themselves with their ideas either, but that's their business. All right, Cameron, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, It's been an adventure, which, you know, I, I loved and I expected, uh, always talking to you is, is great. So, um, yeah, I hope to have you on again soon and, and thanks again. To support the show by donating or becoming a member, please visit my website, which is linked in the show notes and please subscribe to the show wherever you listen. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. See those links in the show notes as well. If you have any questions or feedback on the show, please feel free to contact me via my website or email me at sbllhorary at gmail.com. In the show notes, you can also find links to astrologers and resources that we touched on in this episode. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next time.